Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. This is Jeff Mitchell. We are going to break down the opening game of the 2019 season. The Frogs win 39-7 against Arkansas Pine Bluff. We're going to talk about that game, the anxiety that may be floating around that game, as well as some positive things. Look around the national landscape, see who won, see who lost, see who we can laugh at. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. As always, we want to kick off this show by thanking our our sponsor, Team Life, who goes out of their way to invest in the lives of junior high and high school students in DFW and all over. You guys hear this announcement every week. Uh, I'm just going to let you know, you make a $25 donation to Teen Life, go to teenlife.ngo. I'll answer three questions for you online. Just uh, DM me a receipt or let me know that you got it. We'll give you three questions online that we will, or give us three questions on the next show and uh, you ask it and we will answer it. We don't care how dumb it is. We don't care uh, how edgy it is. Go to teenlife.ngo, make that $25 donation and we'll get three questions on the show. All right, the Frogs win 39-7, to but it was uh, not a convincing win. And at the same time, it was a win where nobody got injured. But the bottom line is, it's not so much what happens on the field that, that matters. It's the post-game drama on the interwebs. So there is a ton of anxiety floating around TCU fandom um, after this win this last weekend over Arkansas Pine Bluff. Daniel, you've got your finger on the pulse of uh, folks like you and me that spend way too much on, um, money online, or spend too, way too much time online. Why is there so much anxiety after this game? The Frogs get a win. Nobody gets hurt. Why is everybody so ticked off after a game where the Frogs won? <laughs> I want to say it, it it might be a hype factor, but it also might be um, <laughs> people remembering last year and how frustrating that was and – you know, everything seemed to go wrong. I really think it's a big overreaction. Um, watching the game again, um, not in the stands has, it's let me just kind of take it in without any, you know, I, I was kind of nervous at the game because it seemed like a disaster at the time. It always does. Even if it's a blowout, it never feels right. Um, <laughs> that you're my kind of fan. I love that. that. I know. The Texas Tech game in, in 2014, all you remember is the points we left on the board. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a disaster, even though it was a complete blowout. Um, <laughs> and that's how it is. One little thing, and it's just like, oh, my God, the season's over. Uh, so, like the um, – like the Heights uh, complete pass, and then he fumbles it on like what was it like five yard line or something like that. Uh, it just felt like th- this is it. We're screwed. And the game's over. Um, we're gonna lose. <laughs> I don't know why it is. If I watch it on TV, it's never that bad. I, I don't get it. Anyway, so there's some of that, but I think a lot of it. It just feels like last year, and that was a frustrating season because nothing actually went right, and it felt like that this game. I don't know why it's people are still overreacting to it because I've had a chance to calm down, re-examine, and see that it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, I obviously a team like that you want to see much better play against, but you know it the the plays that went right weren't too bad, and when you consider the quarterback shuffling and you know, things that shouldn't happen like dropped passes or muffed punts. And those are bad things, but like, if you take them out, it's pretty darn good. And so it's just some sloppy play. We have a week to correct it and a week to prepare for 
Purdue, and we'll see what happens then. I'm not as uh, concerned as I was on my drive home Saturday night. Yeah, in the stadium, it's always it's always worse because all you see is every single mistake magnified, and you don't get the sense of oh, you don't get to watch a replay and say oh, this this is why that play happened, or oh, that was the other team actually made a, a good play, and and all you get to do is live and die by what you see in the moment without uh, the the access to the replay or the rewind and all that kind of stuff. I also went back and have watched the game on YouTube. If you can't find it on YouTube, it's really easy to find. Just Google it, and then it's also I posted it on our board. So that game is. Uh, it was anxious to watch. Even I wasn't as anxious as you were, but I, I, I had the I had the memories of twenty eighteen bouncing around in my head. A lot of drops, a lot of issues around that front. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with. You. I felt like the, the drops for twenty sixteen, and then maybe some play calling issues from twenty eighteen. But we'll dig into that in a second. But yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary of why there's so much anxiety. And I think what 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 is the what is the uh, kerosene on that fire? is that there is so much talent in, situ- in in some spaces on this program. You know, you look at Jalen Rager, you look at some of the guys on the defensive line, you look at the experience of that defensive backfield that already got weaker. Uh, there's a lot There's a lot that this team could accomplish. And every time that it's like, oh, we, we held back on the play calling or we're shuffling quarterbacks, oh, we fumbled or we dropped a pass. It's like, oh, we're, we're just, it's a, it's a game we squandered. And college football is the shortest season in, in, of any, of any big time sport. And you don't, you only get so many opportunities to make a point. So Jeremy, I want to flip over to you. Let's, let's, I got two questions about quarterbacks. Let's start with this. I want you to give a great, give us a grade for Alex Delton. He comes out, he starts, he sees the first few series. I want you to grade Alex Delton's performance because all we've done is, is talk about this since roughly February. Grade Delton's performance in the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. I, I give, I give them B. I give Delton a B, and I'll just tell you right now, I'll give Duggan a B. Same thing. Oh, that's not bad. What would you, what makes your assessment on that? Because I don't know that I disagree with you, but uh, you know, I felt I felt like Delton was off on a few passes, and at the same time, I thought he connected. You know, that pass to Trey Heights, I thought was a pretty solid pass. Yeah. You know, there was one time he's trying to throw across the field, which is a hard pass for anybody, which makes me wonder why he, with the weaker arm, is trying to run that play. But what 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 makes you feel like, hey, it's above a C but below an A? Well, I think he he did pretty much what we were were hearing. Neither quarterback turned the ball over, which that should be an A in my mind compared to what we watched last year. So oh, say that again. Oh, yeah. There's no turnover, so that's a huge positive uh, right off the bat. And and to be honest with you, watching both quarterbacks, that neither one of them really threw a ball that really had a chance to be picked. There was one play from the press box where Alex had thrown a quick out where the linebacker had gotten the lane, but it was over – both their heads, so it really wasn't a chance to be intercepted. But just looking at his stat line, and, and and we've talked about it on the board all day, if you go back and watch the passes that he threw and, and you count those as catches, his stat line is very comparable to what Max did throwing the football. But the element that Alex gives running the football is something that we heard about all spring and the reason why Gary kept saying that he was – doing really well out there and the reason why my sources kept telling me that they thought Alex was going to be the guy that was going to be starting uh, starting first out there. If you go back and watch the game, he, he, there's no doubt he does not have as strong his arm as Max. If, if anyone thinks he's got as strong his arm as Max, you need to go get your eyes checked. There is no question in my mind that Max has the stronger arm. 
Okay, we've got that out of the way. So I'm being very clear that you guys understand that I'm saying Max has got a stronger arm. But let's analyze real quick some of the things that, that Alex did that I thought were pretty good. That throw to Trey Heights was on the money. Someone, uh, Jay Parker, dude, you did a great job analyzing, but saying that ball should have been two yards further. Even the guys on the telecast were saying how good a ball that was. That was a great post pattern to Heights. That was a play where Heights fumbled. And just think, if, if Alex finishes 15 of 22 and Heights scores that touchdown, Jalen Rager catches that jailbreak screen and follows his blockers instead of trying to go east-west. That's two touchdowns. And what if Darius Davis catches that football that was a perfectly thrown bullet into the end zone? What if he finishes 15 of 23 with three touchdowns? How would people be talking today? I still think the TCU fans are going to say they want Max Duggan, but if I went back and watched that game, I've watched it two or three times, and I tried to pick apart things that Alex did wrong. He 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 had some bad passes. He's not going to be the guy that throws the out pattern from the left hash to the right sideline on the money. But Jalen Rager's a first-round talent. He needs to catch that football. That ball hit him right on the one. Uh, and If you're going down and you're a first-round talent, you make that catch. You make that catch on the sideline that he that he threw, that, that Alex threw. And going late into the game, he made that throw on the money, and Jalen had his hands on it. Great play by the defensive back. And he came back later, I think, the same drive and, and threw a really good ball to Heights off the same kind of play. So he he can get the ball out there. Um, but it's it's one of those deals where I think people were just looking for a reason to anoint Max as a starter. And, and if we're just going purely based off uh, arm strength, yeah, Max, Max is the guy. But you – Progression wise, Max did a pretty good job, but I don't I don't think Alex did a bad job. If you look at that throw that he threw low to Jalen on the sideline, he went through his progressions. He you could see his you could clearly see his head looking at the middle of the field, and then he goes back to his right to come back to Jalen. So he's going through his progressions and, and and I think everything has been magnified with Max just because he's the young kid. Everyone's really excited. It's the shiny new toy everyone wants to see out there. And I don't blame him. I mean, it it is extremely fun to watch him play. I mean, that first pass that he threw at Jalen, my gosh, it was incredible. You could just see the steam behind it. But just looking at Alex, I I don't think even even for myself, I kind of criticized him during the game, but after I went back and watched and watch the ball placement. I, I I think he received some unfair criticism as as to how good he played. He he added 67 yards. He gets those drops. He's probably up around 160, 170 yards passing. And if some of those guys take him for touchdowns, he's got to. If Alex walks away 15 of 22 with three touchdowns and and has 67 yards on the ground, I think people are kind of satisfied with where he's at. But you're never gonna you're never gonna convince people that Alex is a better quarterback just because simply Max is the future and I, I think it's extremely obvious that he's got a stronger arm and and he's really already playing up to that level. Max, if I got enough time here, I'm talking forever. But no, you were but, I was gonna get, I was gonna cut you off and say hey I want to hear about Max. So <laughs> let's hear about Max. The the throw <laughs> the throw that I mentioned his very first throw. I mean it it was it was coming in hot and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right off the bat. He he looked like he had a ton of adrenaline. So I'm going to give him a pass on that deep ball that he threw to Jalen on his first series that almost hit the stands. It, it 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 was a beautiful spiral, man, but it just kind of went out of bounds and, and almost hit the corner of the bleachers over there. But uh, the the throw to to Tay Barber 
if he just if he just puts a little bit more air under it, it's a probably about an eighty five yard touchdown, however long they were. He's he reminds me a lot of Andy when he was a young quarterback. Andy, for whatever reason, tried to make every throw as hard as he could. He never understood how to put touch on the ball, and he really didn't understand how to do that until later in his career. And that's something that Max has got to develop at some point. He's got to he's, and, and that's just not me observing from the press box and. Uh, just analyzing it from one game. That's something that I've heard time and time and time again throughout fall camp is that, yes, he has an extraordinarily strong arm, but he's got to learn how to throw some of these passes, meaning he's, he's got he's to understand he doesn't have to fire it as hard as he can from, for a five- to eight-yard pass. And, and, and really when a guy's wide open like that, like Darius Davis was late in the fourth quarter, all he had to do was put a touch on the ball, but he tried to he tried to throw it as hard as he could, and he airmailed it by about eight yards over his head. So if he could fix those things, I mean his his future as a passer is extremely bright. I I, I could tell you honestly, just as a uh, from a defensive perspective, I would fear Max throwing the football a whole lot more than than Alex. But from a defensive perspective overall, I would fear Alex just as much as Max right now because Alex has shown us that running ability that he has. I mean, he had a 54 yard run. He had, a, he, he escaped the pocket a couple times. He did get sacked a couple times at corner blitz got him. And he also had another play where he should have got out of the pocket a little bit sooner. Probably could have gained some more yards, but Max uh, for Max, he, he wasn't perfect running the ball. We didn't really get a chance to see the one chance he was going to run it up. He just crazy thing happened. The ball fell out of his hand. I mean, no one hit it or anything. And he just fumbled it on the sideline, but Overall, I, th- I think both quarterbacks were, were pretty comparable as far as what they were able to do with the offense. Uh, and, and if you ask me who I think is going to start Purdue, just yes. my personal opinion, I, I, I still think they go with Delton because even talking with uh, Coach Patterson today during the teleconference, he talked about the receivers dropping the ball. And, and, and he even mentioned Alex made a great check on that play to Darius Davis. That's not the play they were going to run, but it's a play that he saw. He checked into it, and Darius has just got to do a better job of catching the football. They, All in all, they had – I don't know how many drops. I know Jalen had three catchable balls. Trey Heights had a very tough catch to make. He could have made it. He had his hands on the ball. Darius was another one. That's five. Uh, and, and really, I can't think of any others right now. Oh, Darius Davis had another one where Max was in the game and it looked like he just, he was wide open. It looked like he just stumbled over his own two feet and, and ended up, it, you could just see Gary just shaking his head on the sideline. Cause he knew if Darius catches that ball, he probably walks into the end zone with his speed, but receivers yeah. have got to do a better job catching the football. And you're right. It, it was very reminiscent of 2016, but uh, as far as quarterbacks go, Jeff, and, and I know I'm going to get, a lot of hate on the board for it because I'm not, I'm not going to jump on the max bandwagon yet. I do think he is the future, but I think Alex did enough uh, on, on Saturday to, to prove that he's still able to go out there and, and run this offense, especially with his ability to run the football. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. I posted this on our board that I think, uh, you know, it's really just a matter of how much of a hit do you think you take if you roll with Alex Delton? And I, I mean, if you roll with Max, and I actually think Max Duggan, it has a, a, a I think that he would, we would pay a price for it in moments that matter if we just deemed him the starter from here on out. 
but I don't know that we shouldn't do it. So I'm kind of torn on that. I don't know how far Max. I don't know how far Alex Delton can take us. But I know that there would be hiccups with Max. But those might just be something we need to calculate in going forward. So I will. You know, I, you. I will say this: if 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 Alex was ten of twenty two, and he airmailed all those other passes, and they weren't even close, then mm-hmm. yeah, obvi- obviously, obviously Max by far had the better game. But you have to take. You, you have to take those drops into consideration, okay? You have to, you have to take those plays into consideration where Jalen didn't follow his blockers on the jailbreak screen where he could have scored. Yes, he would have scored. And, and that's what I'm saying. If, if, if Alex walked away completing, you know, completing 15 of 23 passes and threw three touchdowns and added that many yards on the ground, I think people would feel a whole lot better. And that's what people got to understand. Quit looking at the stat line. Quit quit magnifying every he no matter what Alex going into this game was going to have every mistake magnified times a thousand and every positive thing Max did was going to be magnified times a thousand that pass to Jalen Rager no doubt in my mind best pass of the night that was a great pass but I think people forget that he he threw some pretty bad passes too and even the even the one over the middle of the heights where heights actually saved him, made a great catch. It was behind him. That was a great catch by Heights. And there, there's other plays, like I mentioned earlier, Darius Davis was way overthrown. Tay Barber was overthrown. Yeah, you want to overthrow your receivers, but if, if you go back and, and listen to what I said at the beginning, neither one of them really threw a football that could have been intercepted and taken back the other way. And, and that's... And, you know, that's kind of what matters most yeah. because, I mean, you look at all the turnovers that we had last year. I mean, just just look at the turnovers we had in the Cheez-It Bowl. You look at the turnovers that we had last year. There, if you can get out of a game where both quarterbacks are able to end the game without one turnover, that's a great day. That's a great day without one interception. That is a great day. So, well, let me let me uh, turn the screws on you here a little bit before I go to our next question to Daniel. Uh, I didn't put this on our outline, so I'll just put you on the spot. Summer, I want you to grade Sonny Cumbie's play call. Well, if you listen to what Coach Patterson said today, they didn't show her everything. And that's kind of what I mentioned in, during the game thread uh, is that I thought, I thought that they were playing pretty vanilla. And people had mentioned points in the past where they played Southern or in, in other FCS schools and they still, still scored a lot of points. I don't remember seeing any kind of reverse passes this time. Uh, they ran very minimal jets this time around. Uh reverses and, and, and swing passes that, that really wasn't out there against this team. And that's part of their offense. They, they do those things. They do those jet sweeps. They, they do a lot of those jailbreak screens. Gary loves those plays by the way. So I think that's why you see those plays getting called. He, he just wants the right guys, the right personnel out there to make those blocks for those plays to be successful. Those plays when you when you see an alignment on defense like that, where a linebacker's five yards off the slot, they should not be getting to the receiver as he's catching the ball. Those receivers have got to do a better job blocking those backers and safeties on that play. It's an easy three to four yard gain out on the perimeter. It's pitch and catch. It's it it should not be able to be that hard to get yards out of that. And so for the people that hate that play, just understand that's a play that Gary really likes. It's it's an easy play. Now. They go out and throw three interceptions to it and get it pick six. He probably won't like it anymore. But as far as Sonny goes, 
it, it's hard to judge, man. You got to give me a you got to give me a, a a game against an opponent like Purdue where we're going to see more stuff out of their offense. And if you don't believe me, just go back and I know a lot of people aren't going to believe me. Number one, because I'm listening to Gary and they're not going to believe him either because a lot of the stuff we heard again during fall camp, it's, it, it kind of wasn't true. Jonathan song, not being able to kick. Well, he saved their butts on Saturday. Oh my gosh. He's the MVP. He's the MVP big 12 player of the week. As far as I'm concerned, but he was, he was correct on the quarterbacks, not turning the ball over and and doing well. Uh, The offensive line has got to play better. Uh, But Give me another week. You got to give me till after Purdue before I can judge the play calling. I, I think it, it, if you convert a few of those things, if Trey Hots doesn't fumble, Jalen Jalen scores, Darius Davis catches the pass, and you have a game where or Shaywo plays in the first yeah. half. And let's let's just for example put those three touchdowns on the board. Okay, let's put three touchdowns on the board. Twenty-one nothing. Well, what's the, the 39 plus 21, what is that, 60? So yeah. if they win 60 to 7, are people they're, – they're liking this win a whole lot more. I, I'm looking at the silver lining of everything. There's very okay. there's very minimal mistakes that they can overcome. It, I, I would tell anyone, if you're, if you're trying to judge what the offense is going to look like based off what was called against Arkansas Pine Bluff, don't do it. I, just, just don't waste your time trying to – get involved in that and, and trying to calculate how Sonny Cumbie's calling plays and everything else. It, it, it's not worth looking at Purdue when they, when they actually have an opponent that is going to be a very, very tough road game, then yeah, if, if, if the play calling is atrocious or good, then, then you can judge Sonny uh, with how he's calling, calling an offense. But okay. I, I can't, I can't give you an honest answer right now for that one. That's all right. You know, one of the things I did want to drop here is that uh, I wanted to give this drop. Purdue lost to Nevada. Yes. Did I get that right? Yes. Purdue lost to Nevada. 56-yard field goal. 56-yard field goal. I was watching some of that game, and then I fell asleep, and then I woke up and saw that they had lost, and I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a typo, but... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're going to be hungry. They got a, they're bouncing back this week against Vandy, I believe. Yeah. I, I think they're playing Vanderbilt. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on when the frogs make their way up there to West Lafayette. This is my little plug. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go Speaking ahead. of the Vanderbilt game, did you see? Did you guys see the the videos of Vanderbilt versus Georgia? You know, I did not. I did not catch any of that game. Okay, well, just go on Twitter later on, and just there's a ton of videos out there with Georgia and Vanderbilt. And I kid you not, it looked like a home game for Georgia. There was there was oh, maybe I did. there was maybe five thousand Vanderbilt fans there at that game. It was it I was did decked see that. out in red. I did see that. Yeah, that is a they just host a whole bunch of of uh, away games. They're hosting an away yep. game. That's kind of what it amounts to. All right, let's let's go ahead and and do some uh, pros and cons, concerns, and things that we're excited about, Daniel. Watching this game in the stadium as well as rewatching it a couple of times, what is your biggest concern about the team coming out of game one? I know that it's hard to assess after this game in a variety of reasons, not the least of which what Jeremy said, but what is your biggest concern coming out of game one? I guess dropping the ball. You're not going to get very far if you drop it all the time. You know, that's that's got to change. Um if, if it's not that, then maybe I was kind of worried about offensive line play. Um, I figured against 
uh, Pine Bluff that would be a kind of a easy one, you know, uh, that you know doesn't take a lot of skill, but just the, the difference in the size alone is all you really need uh, for something like that. And we just overpower them. Didn't seem to happen. Um, maybe a little better later in the game, but um, yeah, I think I think dropping the ball. I mean, you you just can't do that. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on both those things. The drops were bad, but that that just can't happen. When they put the ball right there, we got to catch that. And I, I guess I'm going to compare this to something I'm going to reference later. If you want to know the difference between night and day, look at what an OU receiver does when they get the ball anywhere close to how they can catch it in TCU receiver. Uh, whether it's Jalen Rager, who had drops that he should not have, or anybody else down the depth chart, uh, I, I still get anxious when they throw the ball because I don't know if we can catch it. I mean, it's just that amnesia. You know, I don't have amnesia for what happened in the past and that anxiety. Of, oh, can they catch it? Man, uh, that the drops are an issue. And then the offensive line, I was not impressed with them, especially the left side of the offensive line. Uh, I'm not going to call out names of people that could um, wipe wipe the floor with my face, <laughs> but we got we got to step up on the left side of that offensive line, my friends, because we were not able to run the ball and establish that run game. I, I'm going to come back to this line. Looper said it himself. We got to run the ball when they know we're going to run the ball, and we could not run the ball. And and it was it that was that was actually the uh, the concern that hasn't gotten enough inter- traction on online on Twitter on message boards, but we got to be able to run the ball in the Big Twelve, especially especially with a quarterback that's mobile that doesn't have a great arm or a freshman quarterback that maybe you want to limit his mistake his opportunities to make mistakes in key moments. We've got to step up on the offensive line. All right, Jeremy, what are we most excited about coming out of this game? The, we've mentioned some of the things, you know, recalibrated stat lines, things that we saw with no turnovers. But what's one or two things that, we, that Frog fans should be excited about after watching the game against Pine Bluff? Hey, w- one negative that I have, and I know I'm picking on Jalen, but we they got to do a better job returning the punts. That's something that he's got to improve on. Can I just say I don't want Jalen Rager returning punts? Can I get that out there? <laughs> he's good. He He's good. He just, man, that. I don't know what it was about the punt returns this game. I don't know. He's usually 100% spot on. He could he could do it. But anyway, to the exciting part, I, I think I'm optimistic. I'm really optimistic about the quarterback play. It just call me crazy, but it, I, I think they're going to be good. Cray, cray. Yeah. I, I, like I said earlier, they didn't turn the ball over, and there wasn't a point in time where – they really put the offense in danger. Uh, let me just put it that way. Uh, defensively, I really, really like O'Shawn Mathis. No, he didn't get a sack, but he had eight tackles. Oh, he's he, a he, beast. Yeah, he was back there a few times. Garrett Wallow had a pretty t- good tackle game. He's got to get better covering the flats. Uh, the younger guys have got to get better covering the flats. That will route's going to kill them against a good team. It's 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 going to be disastrous. And I don't know if that's a four-two-five scheme where they they get their linebackers, they call the blitz, and it just leaves leaves them open for that wheel route down the sideline. But it is it has burned them in the past, and they got to get that fixed. But you know, the guy that I was really impressed with was Keon Stewart. Yes, he did get beat for that long play in the third quarter, but man, for a kid that didn't even know he was going to start until Thursday, he's a true freshman. And he, he got out there and he had they, – they challenged him early. He had two pre- pass breakups early. He had another one, I think, in the third quarter. So he ended up with three pass breakups, and he played relatively good for, for a uh, 
true freshman making his first collegiate start. I was impressed with him, and I think he's going to have a really, really bright future. Yeah, I was really impressed with him as well, considering he got thrown right into the frying pan. You want to give us a little update on uh, Julius Lewis, because that was maybe the worst news we could have gotten on the defensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Week, oh, two it, weeks, five weeks, eight weeks. Uh, one last thing I'm excited about. I know I keep forgetting. I'm, I'm getting old, so I'm forgetting things. I'm, I'm excited about Jonathan Song, and as I mentioned on the board, it was like he gave the coaches a middle finger because he'd been talked about <laughs> bad all the fall camp, and then he goes out there and, and hits five of five, and Griffin Kelly even had a good – kick uh right yes he did so uh but julius coach patterson said after the game on saturday saturday that he was going to be out possibly two to three weeks i was told three to four weeks it's probably missing purdue you're missing smu and hopefully you get a guy like him back for iowa state i mean if they can get through these next few games and get them ready for iowa state then that's what they need to do okay I, you know, I'm excited about Jonathan Song because you got to kick field goals in the Big 12. I mean, you got to be able to to make that 47 yarder. And you know what? I was really impressed with with Jonathan Song. He's another guy that's taken a lot of unnecessary heat. If you look at just his statistics, he's pretty darn solid. He's I think he takes. I think he gets a bad rap. I think he gets mocked for an injury that you know. Nobody else could go out there and hit a 23-yard field goal off a tee. And he, he had an injury, and he had to, you know, rehab from it. So, big fan of Jonathan Song. All Saints finest, by the way. He's the greatest player to ever come out of and, All Saints. And he's, so. a re- he's a really, really good dude. And and I think a few weeks ago when I mentioned that when I was out there, when they had the open practice, and it seemed like the players were behind Song, and they weren't really cheering on Kel. It, I, I can understand why they're behind him because he is a really good dude. He's been through a lot. And I think part of the reason people get onto him so much is because he has been injured. And not only the fact that he's been injured, and I posted this on the boards, just because it's been such a mystery of why he's injured. How did it happen? And it drives fans nuts not knowing those little details about why this guy's missing time. And it's a lot of it's unwarranted. I mean, he's, he's, like I said, he's, he's been pretty consistent. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think before the game, he was 17 of 20 in field goal attempts. And now he's what? 22 of 25. That's pretty, that's pretty good for your career. That's not too shabby. That's not too shabby. I will take it. I'm a big fan of Jonathan song. Good for you, buddy. You should be big 12 special. You should be big 12 player of the week but you'll definitely be Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. So hopefully we don't make you go 5-for-5 at Purdue, but if that's what it takes to win by one point, we'll take it, right? All right, before we uh, move on to looking around the rest of the Big 12 and some other things that have gone on around college football, anything else from Pine Bluff that you guys want to highlight? I'm glad you mentioned Stewart. I thought he played pretty well. Uh, You talk about figuring out how to play the game on a fly. I thought he did well. Is Reed going to be able to move to corner at all? Are there any other options? Like, who's the backup corner to Stewart? That's the one thing I was kind of thinking. Do we have any options after playing C here? Well, Reed's an option. I mean, he's he's played safety, but he could also play corner, and hopefully they get Tony Wallace back. And you might even have a guy like Tomlinson's nephew that could play either side. Um, it, it, Gary mentioned that last night, too, that he would be a guy that probably would see some time. So it, it is kind of a – dangerous situation especially when you're going up against some of these teams that throw the ball pretty good in Purdue and SMU and I mean I don't want to mention Kansas as part of that equation but Kansas did beat TCU last year so you want to have someone that's 
capable to go out there and cover their receivers. Kansas does have some athletic receivers that are, are pretty good. So it they it is one of those situations where they got they got to get it, make sure they got it fixed. Matthew Baldwin actually uh, won his appeal and is now eligible. Yes, but he's not healthy to go. He couldn't take the field right now, could he? No. And, and Gary said that Saturday. He said that he's not healthy enough. He's working with the scout team and he's gone against the the defense. He's running the scout team offense, gone against defense, and that's kind of where Gary has gotten all this information. Like he looks good against scouts and he's throwing the ball good, but he's kind of the same situation that Justin was back in spring and, and really over the summer, he's not, he's not completely healthy. He can't run. He's not mobile. And, and that's something they want him to be a part of. And, and what I've been told is that there, there really isn't a rush. He is eligible, but he, he, it's not like they're rushing him to get healthy so he can be part of this quarterback equation. You know what I mean? It's not like they feel Alex or Max can't get the job done or even Mike Collins. It's, good news that he's eligible but I I don't know with him being out fall camp and being out at least the middle of this month maybe toward the end I've been told he he could be back by the end of the month 100 percent it you don't know how much of an impact he's going to make this year it probably doesn't happen until spring 2020. Okay well he's a four for four correct so he would have redshirted last year he got the waiver uh, yeah. So he did qualify for a red shirt last year. He didn't play five games. So he gets the waiver this year. So he's a four for four. Right. Uh, I guess getting the waiver cleared and being able to be with the team means, that, you know, being eligible. Maybe he can travel. Maybe he can get used to how, how the Frogs do things on the road. Sure. Maybe he'll be able to experience that. So that could be an upside. So, and, you know, he could be there in the worst case scenario emergency. But I don't think, I, I'm going to agree with you. I mean, he's not going to be a factor in the quarterback race this year. And, you know, we need him to heal up and then be good to go in the spring. So that, that actually means that he and Max are in the same, uh, they're, they're on the same rate to graduate, right? right? right. They're both, they both have four years. I I think Baldwin's a heck of a talent. I I think he obviously will bring some uh, big time competition to the position. Uh, But it's really going to depend on for this year, Alex and Max would have to totally tank before I, in my opinion, before Matthew would be out there playing. Okay. Good to know. All right. Anything else from this game before we jump to the other, some of the other teams in the big 12? I want to know if Daniel bought any beer. Oh yeah. I did not. What'd you think of in and out? Not the burger. (laughs) That's terrible. But we actually, actually looked like we had a crowd in the third quarter. Yeah, I think it worked pretty well. And there were some people around me that didn't even realize that that was a new policy. And um, I just don't comprehend not knowing things like that. Um, so you made <laughs> So, mm-hmm. well, once I left, yeah. Um, no, there was some guy who was, he didn't want to buy beer. He's like, we'll just go out to the tailgate. And the beer guy said, well, you can't do that. He's like, oh, and he said, all right, give me five Coors Lights or whatever. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. You know, the only curse that uh, Jeremiah Donati has as the athletic director following uh, Chris Del Conte is I think that there was a culture that you could tweet stupid things at the AD and get a response. And, man, everybody's like, I the, the line to pee was, was too long it, on the East Concourse. You know, they were out of Twizzlers on the second on the second deck. I mean, everybody's little petty complaint. You know, there's a crane 
over here in front of Frog Alley. Yeah, we're building, a, new, uh, we're building a new east side. By the way, Daniel, what do you think of the east side? Doesn't it just completely make the stadium look different? I mean, it's just – Yeah, I went over there um, uh, about a week and a half before the game and just – I took my dad and we just walked around and we're, we're scoping it out. I really wanted to see mainly the, the size of the board because I didn't think the pictures did it any justice, and I don't think they do. Um, you know, people take pictures of it and put it online, and you just you don't get a feel for how big it really is um, until, like, you see it in person. And But, yeah, the east side, it seems to add a good 50 feet in height, yeah, maybe. At least. Um, yeah, about 50 to 60, and – it, it really, in the size of the scoreboard, kind of closes up the north side of the north end zone. And then that having that extra structure at the top of the east side kind of makes it a little more symmetrical with how tall the west side is. And uh, it, it just feels so much better. And I noticed, and, and they mentioned that it should make the place louder. And from where I was during the game, it had to be louder than it used to be. That's a positive. It, it was, there weren't, yeah, they weren't – it wasn't full. It wasn't a full house or anything, but it was pretty stinking loud. And that has a lot to do with the, the, the boxes plus the screen knocking back a bunch more noise. Um, I, I thought it was great. I, th- I think uh, the energy was just uh, amplified. You know, it, it, we, we probably all cheered. Actually, you know what? The beer probably helps with that too because you're a little more – let loose and such little liquid so, cor- little liquid cor- courage, uh, courage yeah. where you can yeah let it go yeah, yeah. core it we used to call it courage because of course <laughs> who do you think so. won the halftime battle yeah. well uh i'll tell you what <laughs> <laughs> well spot, I, I i pretty much knew what to expect i but it's so sad we shouldn't even tcu band shouldn't even go out there because it just doesn't compare um it's especially just just in volume alone it's it's ridiculous um but i will say i didn't think they were as good as the southern band yeah Uh oh no the southern band is yeah. the they're the they're kind of the gold standard for historic or, black college and university I only asked bands. That because I, I didn't pay attention to the halftime and i saw someone had posted on the board that the band even looked bad during halftime so i just wanted to get your perspective on it if it was really that bad they didn't look bad they just looked pathetic going <laughs> after going after um uh pine bluff it's just it's just the nature of the beast yeah so i need uh, you to do me a favor i need you to go down on pregame and before they get that guy the microphone i need you to yank it from them and do not let him come out there and say, all right, frog fans, this side, go, frogs. Now, I didn't see that guy. I oh, thought he, he was, was there because we talk about it in the press box every year. Well, I see, I never saw the guy. I heard it, and I was paying attention. Okay, well, maybe they've got it popping through the PA now. I don't, That's I don't what know. I thought. That's what I th- – because it, it, it syncs up with the screen pointing one side – Telling the you know, and then has an arrow pointing the other side saying go or frogs, you know, back and forth. I so it was like they they did get rid of the go frogs guy, but they still do the go frogs thing. 
Well, see, that's what I that's what I say is like I, I don't think the cheerleader should have to get the fans prompted to do it. I think you guys should just start doing it. I think you need to lead that charge. I'll do it. We we had a great in twenty fourteen, uh at start right before Kansas State. We it was started organically, I think. Because I don't think they did crazy. that guy back then. Utah well, yeah. was you, I wasn't there for that game. I watched it on TV, but you can you can obviously when they were rolling cameras and everything from that CBS telecast, you can hear it very clearly. Oh yeah. All right, I did a little research here. Southern University band is called the Human Jukebox. And so anybody anybody that yeah, anybody that goes by the Human Jukebox and actually, one of the oldest rivalries of uh, the H, uh, historic black college and universities is Jackson State against Southern University. They started playing in 1929, and uh, the rivalry was informally known as the Boombox Classic. That basically, basically what that means is, for your entertainment, the football team will be on the field before and after the band. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's like a forty-minute halftime. And you're like, oh, they're I'm going to go get a coke. They're they're punning. <laughs> so, yeah. One of the other things I wanted to highlight was uh, Darwin Barlow getting that oh, touchdown man. for his coach. Awesome. I mean, God bless him. That was that was a sweet moment. You know, you knew what he was doing that for, and you knew what his coach had meant to him. So, if that's that one was- of those. If that would have been anyone else, he wouldn't. They Gary wouldn't have let them score. Score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Credit is that to what, his. Is that what Gary was telling the other coach uh, in the middle of the field after the game? Because he told him something. He was like, "Oh, I appreciate that." You could see his. You could read his lips. Probably, I but I guarantee that's what he was telling him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guarantee I, that's. What I didn't telling see him. that part, but he. It probably was. The only time yeah. I could read Coach P's lips during the game is. Uh, when he was yelling at Jalen after he fumbled the the punt return, he said "punt safe." So I don't know what he was trying to do. Just I, I guess punt safe is a fair catch, no matter what. Yeah, I, know. I think he also lost his voice. They reported that on the on the game on, on TV that he had lost his voice. So yes, so that's some that's hard hitting journalism right there. I know, man. <laughs> hey, that's, we report, you decide. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. All right, let's flip through a couple of games in the Big 12. Let's start with the big one, OU over Houston. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be a problem. I watched that whole game, and uh, Houston put up a good showing in the second half, and I still wish Derek King would have have come to TCU and been our quarterback this year. But my goodness, Jalen Hurts is going to be a problem in the Big 12. Jeremy, did you get to see any of the OU-Houston game? Oh, yeah. Watched every minute of it. So did I. I mean – I'll give credit where credit credit is due. Jalen Hurts played really well. He played better than I expected him to play, and he really looked like he was out there on a mission. Because you know he's heard that he he's backing up Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and he's not as good as those other two guys, and not as good sure as Tua. Yeah, I'm sure he's heard it from a lot of people, and so he just went out there and just played. Probably, <laughs> I mean he's he's going to be on the Heisman list now. I mean, it's it's unquestionable he's going to be on there. Riley, Coach Riley, Lincoln Riley, I mean, that guy. I mean, there's not – I can clearly say there's not a better offensive mind in college football. Nope. And, and there, it's not even close. I mean, for him, just the way they just move that offense, receivers are always open. The offensive line is just – Bill Biedenboe is a great offensive line coach. They just, they just plug in new guys. They're replacing four guys that got drafted by the NFL – 
on the offensive line, and they they have no problem. They just well, let's just let's just plug in the new guys. We're still going to run the football. Yep. Creed, uh, Creed, Humph- Creed Humphrey is a hoss. Oh man, he is. He's probably the best overall lineman in the Big Twelve. Yep. Uh, C D Lamb, he's he's great, and and the guy that I think is going to be a huge headache this year for a lot of teams is Charleston Rambo, and he is a kid that I've known for a long time. Watched him come up since he was a sophomore, and he is. I mean, that one play he took over the middle and just outran everyone. He's basically Cavante Turpin, but he's six foot one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is. He's got some size and he's got some speed, and I think they're going to utilize him in a lot of different ways, similar to what they used Hollywood Brown. They're going to send him on vertical routes. They're they're going to get him involved. And uh, Calcaterra, the the tight end. I mean, they always have good tight ends, no matter what. That offense is just it just clicks, 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 and and. I don't know how you stop it. I, I, I really don't because they, they line up in certain plays and they show you something completely different than what you expected them to run. And Lincoln Riley, like I said earlier, there is no better uh, offensive coordinator, offensive coach in college football, and he's the best at doing that. He's the best at disguising what they're about to throw at you, whether it's a run, pass, just overloading things. I mean, just he just – man, he's, he's good at it. And, no, I do not want to date him. I just – I just appreciate the fact that he's a great offensive mind. Their defense still has holes in it, but I think uh, they're very, very athletic. And that's what I'll say about that. I I think they're going to get, continue to get better. And for them to play Houston the way they did, Houston's a very good offense. Dana Hogerson's a very good offensive coach as well. And for them to play the way they did, especially in the first half, I, I think that speaks volumes for how much they've improved so far. Get a room. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a Sooner fan. By I know. The way. All right, Oklahoma State rolls over Oregon State. We'll just kind of let that one go. Uh, Iowa State goes to triple overtime against Northern Iowa. I didn't watch a second of this, but in, I did. In, until until overtime, yeah, I saw. I did. I did flip over during overtime. I guess so. What? I mean, we we spent this whole off season just singing the praises and building the statues of Matt Campbell, and then they go to triple overtime against Northern Iowa and should have lost the game. If Brock Purdy doesn't recover a fumble where they get a chance to win the game, they lose that game. So, yeah, that what do you make? What'd you make of Iowa State? <laughs> I mean, they've got they've got some key guys to replace. Akeem Butler not being there is is going to hurt them. They don't have that big six six outside receiver right now that they've had in the past where they could just throw throw the ball up and and be a part of that offense. Uh I can't remember the guy the, the kid's name the year before that. That was a really good receiver that they did the same thing to. Uh Montgomery's gone. David Montgomery's gone. They've got to replace him. Their offensive line wasn't as as powerful as I thought they would be, even though they're experienced. Brock Purdy didn't have a great game. He didn't make really good decisions, but I will give credit where credit's due. Northern Iowa is one of the better FCS teams out there. They're they're extremely well coached. They know a lot of these players. They play against each other in high school. And, and this is a game where Northern Iowa has won in the past at Iowa State. So it's not like they're going against this big team that they're afraid of. They, they've got really good athletes too. Their quarterback, McAvee, I like that kid. I, I thought he was extremely good, especially against Iowa State. And that gives me – that seeing how he played against Iowa State gives me hope that – a guy like Max Duggan can go up there, and what a great story that would be for Max to come up there in his home state and, and play that way. They're real similar. Uh, that McAvee kid was kind of a gunslinger, rose around the pocket, spin off guys who runs left, runs right, made some really good throws. He, he's obviously a threat running the football. 
but they didn't have great receivers. They didn't have a gigantic offensive line. They did have a really good defensive end that I thought, I, I can't remember his name. He was number 95, hmm. but man, he was really good. Uh, he, he gave Purdy trouble all day and, and really was a force in the run game. But I think from an offensive perspective, perspective watching Northern Iowa, especially with the young quarterback like they have, a redshirt freshman, I think TCU would have a, a good chance. Obviously, Iowa State's going to be pretty pumped up for another Big 12 team to come in to uh, Ames. But Northern Iowa is is not a, a team that they were going to roll over to begin with. Northern Iowa is a, is a team to reckon with at the FCS level, and I think they're going to win a lot of ball games this year. Yeah, Northern Iowa is a good FCS program. And, you know, the, this is the other thing that, you know, a lot of those – there's a lot of kids in the Midwest that are uh, – n- that are G5 ability, but why would you go to Ball State when you can go to Northern Iowa? I mean, I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a simplistic way to put it, but they can say, Hey, we got good facilities. You can get into the playoff. You're going to play four years. This is a place where you should come. So they're, they're able to, to get some talent. And, and you see that in all of the Dakotas. I mean, North Dakota state, yeah. South Dakota state, all that kind of stuff. You see that in the Dakotas. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of talent up there, and they're able to. All you got to, you know, the the scholarship dis- deficiency in FCS is not an issue on week one because they have 53 players, and in a FBS has 85. But that you don't get into the season where injuries can hurt you so much more. You're just putting your best, basically your best 35 players out there when right. you uh, when you're in week one. So the depth is not really an issue, and the motivation is very very high. Is uh is Northern Iowa where they play the state championships up in Iowa? It actually is. Yes, it's the it's it's the Iowa version of Jerry World. It's a dome stadium. Really? That's it's a dome stadium, and it seats about I don't know eighteen twenty thousand something like that. Maybe you know something like that. More than fifteen, not twenty five, but yeah. So basically, like the star. Yeah, it is. It is kind of like the star. star, but it's really cool. I played a okay. I played a JV game in there one time. I'll tell you all about it. Sweet. Yeah, I caught a screen pass, went four yards. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It, the only problem, I'll, I'll tell you this: the only problem with it is you can hear everything on the field because there were like seven hundred people there at this game. There was hardly anybody there, and uh, but the way that the dome is built, everything echoes. And this guy uh, that I played high school football with, we're down like thirty-eight to seven, and he calls timeout with like twenty seconds left. A player did on her team. And our coach comes out and drops an f bomb at us, and everyone hears it. Everyone hears it. So I can I can report that the Northern Iowa uh, acoustics are, are really solid. So, That's awesome. Yep, that is where they play them. It is like the star. Um, all right, Daniel, this is for you. One game outside of the Big Twelve that I followed along with and delight. Boise State goes on the road to Tallahassee, beats Florida State. Boise holds. Florida State, to uh, they shut him out in the second half. A true freshman quarterback on the road gets his first one in Tallahassee. That has that for all the Alex, uh, for all the Max Duggan fans. You'll, that's a talking point for you. It can all be summed up in one question. Is this the curse of Kendall Bryles, the new offensive coordinator at Florida State? I want to say that any Bryles anywhere is going to cause some kind of a curse in some form or fashion. And the fact that crime isn't more rampant in Tallahassee right now is just mind blowing. <laughs> and Mount Vernon. Oh well, yeah, yeah. But I hey, mean, that's, did you see Mount Vernon score? They won, didn't they? Forty-four to seventeen. Forty-four to seventeen over Bonham. 
over Bonham. Okay, well. Bonham Purple Warriors. <laughs> oh, man. So, I did love watching Boise win, though. I got I got a little sp- special place in my heart for Boise. I know that we can be fans of them now, now that they're not our uh, – they're uh, somebody we're fighting for a BCS spot for. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Daniel. There's a Prowse curse that goes everywhere with it, but it was it was especially on display in the second half as the Seminoles blew that lead. So, I delighted. I think I, cut Daniel, I think I cut Daniel off talking bad about Prowse, so continue, Daniel. Go ahead. All right. No, I don't really have a whole lot else to say. It, it It is nice to see, you know, he gets this higher profile job and and just lays an egg in the second half. You know, they, they figured it out. It's not that complicated uh, of a system, really. Once you kind of put your finger on it, you can kind of see what they're going to do. And that's kind of the Bryles way. Um, so, but it, Did you- it, it's nice to see... Bryles lose, and especially because he couldn't score in the second half. But also, it's nice to see Florida State lose because I hate them anyway. That's a double. It's like we call that win-win in the business world. So, did you see all the tape he had on his fingers calling the plays? Did not notice that. I didn't either. I just assume he did. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! As long as he's wearing a white jacket, so you can't really see the tape anyway. Yeah. You know, genius. Genius. Hey, what was the final score with Texas and La Tech? Uh, 44-14, I think. It was something of of that ilk. Uh, Let me see here. Yeah, I think it was 44-14. 45-14, yeah. Yeah, 45-14 Longhorns. Uh, And Tech scored two touchdowns. Tech scored in the the fourth quarter. So, it was was 40. Yeah, it was 42 nothing. I think, at one point or something like that. So, Tech had a pretty good win. That was, Montana State's not bad, and they won 45-10. to 10. No, yeah, Tech looked pretty solid. West Virginia West Virginia was playing a great team in James Madison, a great yeah. team, and they got a win. Austin Kendall didn't look too bad. Uh, Les Miles won. Kansas, the, you know, the Big Ten – or the Big 12 is 10-0 and 0 right now. Granted, we play like seven FCS teams. Baylor play? Steve, uh, the Lumberjacks, I think. I think they played oh. Stephen F. Austin. They, they I got, thought you were about to say Stephenville. <laughs> they did not play Stephenville. <laughs> <laughs> I am ex- I, I got to tell you, living here in Memphis, watching oh, two two things happen. One, Memphis beat Ole Miss. And I, I went to that mm-hmm. game. It was an 11 o'clock game. It was great to watch. Memphis beat Ole Miss. And then uh, Tennessee gets the doors blown off them. And that's what happened. I mean, I know the score was 38-30, but they got the doors blown off them by traditional powerhouse of nine years, Georgia State. That is just amazing. Yeah. Georgia State's the one that bought the old Turner Field, right? Yeah, that's where they play their and home that's games that's where now. they're playing their games now? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I know. Yeah. Tennessee's I, I a joke. That. They have been hey. for – a long time, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the I don't know what the final score was for UTEP, but I heard they barely beat Houston Baptist. They did. They barely beat Houston Baptist. They got to make I some guess. tough choices, man. Yeah. That ugh, that is not. Uh, they will be. They will all be going in pro, going pro in something other than football, <laughs> man. Uh, all right, let's get some predictions on the on the record here, here for next week. All right, we'll go through some games here in the last five minutes that we have. Daniel, we'll start with you. Texas and LSU, who do you have winning that game straight up, the Longhorns or the Tigers? Oh, LSU, big time. 
Jeremy, Tigers or the Horns? LSU. You writing this down? Yeah, I'm writing it down. Okay. All right, okay. you guys are both wrong. I'm taking the Horns. we're starting our records right now. Okay. Now, okay. wait a minute. Jeff said Houston was going to beat Oklahoma. No, I didn't. I did, too. I did not say that. Because <laughs> that's the only reason I even watched. <laughs> Let's go back and listen. <laughs> no, you need to write these down so we can see how good we are at these things. All right, I will do that. I will do that. I will make a point. No, no, I'm going to bring out. I'm going to bring back the prediction story. I, I completely forgot about our prediction story. Okay. That we typically do. Yeah. And I'm going to bring it back so we can we can hold each other accountable. Okay. Sounds and, good. And, and now we'll have that, and then we'll have this. So. All proceed. Right. All right, I'll be your accountability partner, Jeremy. Okay, thanks. Yes. <laughs> All right, I've got I've got Texas winning, so I, it, it's going to happen. I got Texas beating uh, LSU in Austin, and and they're going to jump up. the 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 hype machine is going to reach a level that they might even get their own network after this is over. So nice. that's what I've got. All right, number two, West Virginia in Missouri, the same Missouri who just lost to Wyoming on the road. Kelly Bryant has a career game. Jeremy, do you have the uh, do you have West Virginia or Missouri winning this game? Missouri, Missouri, Daniel, you got West Virginia or Missouri? Uh, I'll just pick West Virginia. All right, I am also going to take West Virginia. So, Jeremy, you're the lone voice in the wilderness crying out that you're taking the Mizzou Tigers. All right, give me West Virginia. Clemson versus Aggie, Jeremy. It's played at Clemson, right? Oh yeah, it's in Death Valley. The okay, real, the real Clemson. Death Valley. All right, Clemson. Clemson. Jeremy or Daniel? Clemson by, by a mile. Many. Clemson by a mile. Jeremy, you got Clemson by not many. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take Clemson, and it's going to be a mile. Yeah, a mile and a half. I think they're going to blow the doors off of A&M. So, yeah, give me Clemson. All right, and one of these every week is going to be by the spread. We do not condone or condemn gambling. It's your choice. I'm a man that believes in freedom. So you make whatever choice you want. These are not recommendations that you should take your trust fund or 401k and bet on. Michigan versus Army. Michigan is laying 23. It's a 23-point spread that Army is favored by. Daniel, you're our resident European website uh, expert. <laughs> Do you take Michigan laying 23 or Army to cover? I'm going to say Army covers. Army covers. Jeremy. Man, give me Army all day long. Matter of fact, I need to find where I can get some of that action. <laughs> well, when we stop recording, just ask Daniel because okay. I want to ask him how much money he made on twenty-three the points for real. That's that's yeah, what that's it the is. spread. Yeah, I want to ask Daniel how much wow. money he made on the OU Houston game when he took the under. Um, I will go ahead and agree. I'm going to take Army. Army's going to Army's going to more than cover, and it, it's going to be a dogfight. You can write that down. That is going to be a dogfight. All right, we go. Those are our predictions for this episode. We will make sure that we revisit these next week at the end of our episode when we can uh, all boast and gloat. I got uh, Texas, I've got West Virginia, I've got Clemson, and I got Army covering. Uh, I think Army might win outright. I would not be surprised if that happens. I am a huge. I mean, basically, if you pick Michigan, you hate the military. That's kind of what I determined. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's I agree. A, that's the way I look at it. So, hey, wh- who do you think the Oklahoma fans are going to take with that spread? Oh, they they're Oklahoma <laughs> is going to get their check. They probably got in the mail yesterday or get there tomorrow because it's the first of the month, and they're going to go down to the Safeway and cash that, and then go get online and send it to a European account, and they are going to put all of that money on on Army to cover. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's what I think of. Uh, 
of OU fans doing that. Hey, they'd be they'd be foolish not to the way they played last year. Ooh, yes. And Army's a good team. Oh I yeah, they, they did the other day, but they won ten games last year. That and I what weren't they the ones that pretty much dominated Houston in the bowl game? They hung seventy on Houston in the bowl game. Got Major yeah. Applewhite fired. Brought Holgo out of the mountains with his, setting down his moonshine to come back to Houston. Uh, he, he, did you guys hear where Holgo's office is? No. It's a, it's a silver slipper on West I-10. <laughs> I just now got that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he fits right in. Uh, yeah, West Virginia. Uh, yeah, Army, Army put 70 on him. Should have beat OU last year. I think Army's going to beat Michigan, so. All right, we'll come back and revisit that next week. Uh, the Frogs have a bye week or a, a, an off week, I guess is I would is is what we should call it. Uh, they got an off week, open date. Uh, we'll probably record next week and come back and talk about this because we'll have a lot to talk about with Texas, LSU, West Virginia, and all that. Clemson and Aggie, but then we'll also preview what we're going to see in the Purdue game. I'll be watching Purdue Vandy this week. I'm looking forward to that. I want to see what the what the uh, what Boilermakers are able to do against the the Commodore. So. We will be here next Monday morning. So, all right, we want to bring this episode to an end. I want to thank everybody that listens, especially want to encourage you to go online and subscribe at hornfrogblitz.com. It's an easy way to stay connected with our community, keep up with recruiting, and all the useless hot sports takes that you could imagine are right there on our website. Also, go to iTunes and give it, and subscribe to us. Give us a rating and a review. We would love for you to do that. Easy way to get the word out about the Frogcast. So for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.